Welcome, Impactful Parents. It's time for the Impactful Parenting Podcast, where I give you parenting tips and resources to make you a more impactful parent to your school-aged child. I am your host, Christina Campos. Welcome, Impactful Parents. Today, we're going to talk about when your son wants to wear a dress. As parents, our unconditional love for our children means we strive to support and accept them for who they truly are. But what happens when your child wants to go down a path that you don't want them to take? And many heterosexual moms and dads are facing new parenting territory as children are becoming vocal with their needs to express themselves in untraditional ways. So let's talk about it. Today, we're going to be giving tips to help parents navigate the situation and support their children to cultivate an LGBTQ-friendly home. Hello, my name is Christina Campos. I'm founder of The Impactful Parent, and I help parents to school-age children turn their chaos into connection with their adolescent. I'm a mom of four kids, a teacher that has taught every grade from preschool through high school, and today I help moms and dads like yourself to navigate that exhausting, confusing, frustrating, but rewarding world of parenting. So welcome to The Impactful Parent. And today I have a very special guest. His name is Rodrigo Bravo. Now, Rodrigo is a parenting coach, a mediator out of the state of Texas, and most importantly, he is a dad of an LGBTQ son. I am very grateful to have Rodrigo on The Impactful Parent today to talk about his experiences raising a son who wears dresses. But coming from a very traditional Latino machismo background where boys aren't supposed to do that. So thank you, Rodrigo, for being here today and sharing your story with us. Hey, I appreciate the invitation to talk about this. I think it's really important that we do have these conversations so that people don't feel like they're the only ones that are dealing with these issues, especially because, you know, we want to be supportive of of our children and ourselves. So when did this start for you? Did one day he just say, dad, I I want to wear this and it was a dress. I would say I had a very fortunate trajectory in my parenting evolution, if you will. Um, you know, people say that, oh, you don't know, and this and that. And there are, there are very much instances where uh, kids maybe don't show you or don't tell you and so forth. Um, I, I think from a very early age, I, I noticed that Rodrigo was liking certain things. And, um, and, and at that point, I was still very much into my whole Latinidad, which in uh, which in a very immature way means that I was very into my machismo. I was very much into my manliness, into what defines me, uh, and taking those kind of traditional values that maybe would would say no to those type of things. And so when I started seeing my son kind of uh, uh, say, hey, I, I want to wear that. And it wasn't something that was quote unquote blue, traditional, you know, jeans, you know, this and that. And he's over here reaching for high heels, um, <clears throat> maybe a pink dress, maybe fingernail polish, uh, things of that nature. Um, there, do- there does come a time when you have to really kind of, okay, Make sure that my bias and my perce- my perception doesn't necessarily reflect poorly on him. Because when we have re- our reactions, uh, I remember my son one time, he wanted to paint his fingernails. 
and uh, I, I didn't, I didn't want to, I remember reacting just like, Oh, like surprised. And looking back at it, at least I did that. And at least I didn't say like, what do you mean you want to paint your fingernails? You know, th- this and that, but I was still surprised. And I know that my son saw my reaction and I'm pretty sure that there was some type of uh, counter reaction on his part. Uh, but when I did notice that my son was uh, kind of, I guess, uh, uh uh, 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 leaning that way. I hate to say leaning because it's really not a choice, right? It's not uh, a lot of kids that grow up, uh, the maj- vast majority, if not almost all of them, this is not a choice. This is not some type of lifestyle or like, hey, I want to be this today and I'm going to be that today. Uh, a lot of people try to characterize it as something like that. But it's in, in my case and in uh, millions of cases, it's not that way. And so uh, even when I say leaning, I'm trying to really protect myself or protect others from thinking that I'm trying to use that kind of language. Right. But when I was young, when I was at that point, point of my parenting, I definitely was thinking that way. I was like, okay, he's leaning this way. What should I do this and that? And when he wanted to paint his nails, I just thought like, well, what's the harm in it? You know, what's wrong with him painting his nails you know, and is there really something bad going on that I should tell him not to paint his nails? Um, that, that I just let him, and then years later, and it's probably a, a good kind of contrast. My dad got mad at my son for having his nails painted. And of course my son says, Oh no, it's because, uh, uh, Sophie wanted to get her nails painted. Sophie's our niece or, or his cousin, a younger cousin. Uh, goes, oh no, it's because Sophie wanted to get her nails painted. So I just played along. And of course my dad you know, goes, you shouldn't paint your nails, you know? What kind of is that? You know, no, 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 no. And my son was like, okay, you know, you okay, crap. You know, he goes out there and he uh, removes his, you know, the nail thing, you know, this and that. But I remember my son feeling bad, you know, and and I didn't know about the incident until later. And then I told him, I go, hey, look, man, you don't got to do that. You know, you wear whatever the hell you want. You know, I'm okay with that. But the damage had already been done. And my son was, he said, he goes, uh, you know what, maybe I don't want to come here, you know, to grandpa's, you know, and, uh, you know, he kind of looks at me bad and da, 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 da. And so anyways, my whole point with bringing those two stories together is I, I had time to kind of adjust to that. And when I saw my son kind of uh, displaying, showing that, you know, hey, this is what I'm interested in. You know, I, I really couldn't, I couldn't see myself being mad at him. I just needed to check myself first. As opposed to maybe my parents and other parents that are out there that kind of get it all at once. And what do they do? They retreat, right? They they kind of, there's a fear. They're like, well, wait a second. My, my grandson in this case is not matching what I think a grandson should be. And so I get it. I, it can be scary. It can be tough. And when we are confronted with something for the first time, our, our natural tendency is to kind of come back, you know, and, and, you know, pull the covers, you know, protect ourselves. But in my case, I had some time to kind of get adjusted to that and evolve with that. And and honestly, I, I thank God. I mean, I, I'd, I'd rather have it like that than, you know, where it's just a complete surprise. And I know, I mean, personally, you, you, you know, you, you can relate to that. I know that that's got to be a very tough adjustment. So I always tell parents it's, it's natural to have these feelings where you're confused, where you maybe you don't know how to react uh, and so forth. 
But it's important to be honest with those feelings and then think about your child and what their perspective is. They're already going through a frightening thing where they, you know, there's a world out there that doesn't really accept them a lot of times. And so the one place, the run recourse they're probably looking for is at home with their parents. And so it's really critical that we keep that in mind whenever we are displaying our perspectives. There is so much there that you just said. Uh, First of all, I want to reiterate that it sounds to me like the reaction that you have when your son comes to you and says, I want to paint my nails, wear a dress, whatever that might look like, is going to be a pivotal moment uh, cause they're looking for a safe space. They want, it sounds like, you know, your son and a lot of other young boys want to, um, express themselves in a way that makes them feel comfortable, but they know that there are at least they, if they're a little bit older, they have at least a little inkling that that's probably not acceptable. So they're looking for a place to be safe. And if a parent reacts completely negatively, um, or fear or out of stress or out of anything, then you just have to remember as a parent that that's is affecting your child who's who's looking for you for that support. That doesn't mean that you can't like if this has already happened and you've listened, like you can't backtrack. I really believe that you can go back and backtrack and talk to kids and and correct yourself. But if you have an opportunity like you did to see a gradual progression and be able to to prepare yourself so that you can react like a little bit more supportively, then that would be the best way to do it. Like really, that's, that'd be a really good tip to do. Yeah. Again, I was very fortunate to have that experience. Uh, Some of the parents that I work with, they don't have that or they're in denial, you know, and then once it comes full front, then they, they want to counterattack, you know, and say, Oh, it's just a phase or this and that and da, da, da. And, and it's, it's, it's those, those first encounters, those first interactions are very important and they're going to set the base for the relationship, at least for the short term, but possibly for the long term. Uh, it's, it's super important that, uh, you know, even if maybe let's say you're not supportive of it to let them know that at least they have a safe space. I know this kind of uh, maybe contradicts itself, but you can still, if you feel a certain type of way and you're getting adjusted to it. At the very least, you know, they should have a safe space, their room, their home, uh, you know, some, some place where they feel like, hey, I can be myself. I can do this, do that. I know that for my my oldest, uh, it was a gradual pace where he started, you know, um, <clears throat> painting his fingernails, um, you know, wearing a little wig, you know, uh, maybe maybe wearing something that was uh, floral, if you will. Uh, my, my son now, he loves Hawaiian shirts. I, he, he looks such like a grandpa sometimes, <laughs> but he loves Hawaiian shirts. And that's his Thilo. That's what he likes, whatever. But he started doing that and, and it was very counter what the trends were, you know, and counter what I like, you know, I, I wear polos and khakis. I'm very straight cut. Uh, you know, I got my jeans. I'm, I'm very, the prototypical kind of Mexican guy, if you will. And, and, and my son was wearing, started wearing these kind of what I would consider, you know, offbeat, you know, and eccentric look. Um, it's, and, I, and I say that fondly, you know, I love the way my son dresses. I wouldn't want him to change. Uh, but it is a gradual step. It is gradual. And the most important thing was at my home, my son was allowed to be him. 
And that made a huge difference for him. He was able to, uh, he, he started practicing his makeup. He started, you know, wearing, you know, different shades and this and that. And, oh, I want to wear this and wear that. And, and, and honestly, it helped for me too, because I see him being happy. I see him with his joy, his brother, I have two boys, his younger brother, you know, he would see his, his, his uh, transformation from like, you know, going to school, kind of like these prep clothes or whatnot. And then, you know, coming back home and then he would, you know, put on stuff and wear earrings and, and do this and that. Um, it was an adjustment for, for both of us, but it was, we always walked proudly with him. And so there was no issues there between him and I, you know, saying like, Hey, uh, you shouldn't wear that or, Hey, don't wear this. Uh, and, and but but again, it does take time. It did take time for me. However, for me, it took time at the very front end when he was little. And so when, when he started wearing, for example, one time, one of the most memorable times that I always tell people, yeah, I knew. I knew at that point was when he wanted to wear high heels and do the uh, Beyonce single ladies dance. That's you remember? Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> You remember it was like, like I think it was like a black and white video. Well, it wasn't even that video. It was the video on Saturday Night Live. Justin Timberlake got on there and did a parody of it. It was him and two other guys. And and so my son, I saw it right, and then my son saw it at his mom's house and came back. He goes, "I want to do that." And I said, "You want to do what?" He goes, oh, "I want to do the video that." And I thought, "Oh, the Beyonce one, right?" He goes, no, 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 no. There's one. There's a guy. They're really funny. That was his code, kind of his way to kind of like, you know, oh, it's I'm doing it because it's funny. I'm not doing it because I want to do it. You know, those and and uh, and I'll get back to that in just a second. I, I want to do it. You know, it's fun. I was like, okay, well, I don't know. What do you want to do? This and that. And he found some heels somewhere, and you know, and he recorded himself, and he was dancing and doing this, and and he was little. He was little. Anyways. The whole point of all that is uh, my, my son felt safe enough to, to tell me that. Uh, but I still was kind of like, what's going on? You know, this and that. You know, I, I was still, I don't want to say battling, but I was still confronting my own biases and my own kind of uh, uh, way of thinking, my perspective. At that point, that's when it kind of changed. I said, yeah, there's no going back from this one. I, I think <laughs> I, I remember distinctly saying to myself, just say like, yeah, it's a safe bet at this point. I think he's, you know, and and um, and so and so from there, it just carried out, you know, and and uh, you know, what am I gonna do? You know, I, it's it's fine with me. My other son, uh, probably, I have a much more shared lived experience with him. You know, he likes guns. He likes, you know, robots and and uh, cars and all this other stuff. And so, you know, I, I was fine with that. And and my my other son, he. He liked uh, stuffed animals and he liked uh, things like that. And then he was really into the Pokemon stuff. And so we, there were still a lot of common areas that he and I could share. And uh, I think, I think that's one thing that I would like to touch on is I think a lot of folks feel that they were not going to be able to share with their kids, that they won't have those same lived experience, especially for parents of kids that are the same sex. Right. Or, you know, the same, uh, you know, uh, with my son being a man. Right. And me being a man, I'm over here projecting. Oh, when I was your age, I did this and that, you know, oh, I, you know. 
And so we kind of have this natural tendency to see our kids grow up the same way that we grew up. And so I, I think it can be tough if you're presented with a different version, right? And you're thinking, wait, I'm expecting you to grow up this way, but you're going to grow up that way. I think that can be tough. But again, it's just about confronting your own biases and making sure that uh, you, you do provide a safe space for your child and not necessarily hold your biases higher than you do your child. I find it interesting that your son even made excuses for himself to kind of minimize how important it was to him. Um, and you said this a, diff- a couple of different times, whether it was his nails to his grandfather saying, oh, no, 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 it's because of my cousin or or with the, the Beyonce video saying, oh, no, no, it's because it's funny. Um, because I think those are good things for parents to identify and say, all right, they're, you know, they're trying to make me more comfortable by minimizing like how important it is to them. And I think that's good to, to see that. Um, what about that fear? Cause the main thing that's happening to so many parents, as soon as they see that their child might be identifying with an LGBTQ community is they get scared, scared for so many reasons, scared because whether maybe they're very religious and they're worried about um, that area of their life. Maybe they're scared about what other people might think. Maybe they're scared about the other family members that aren't going to accept their child. Maybe they're scared of bullying. Um, You know, it's a very difficult path. So there's a lot of fear behind this subject of being a parent of an LGBTQ child. Uh, So how do you deal with the fear of your child wanting to wear a dress? Yeah, that's a great question, Christina, because it's a it's a very legitimate question that happens so often in so many households. Um, what do you do when you're confronted with something that doesn't match your perspective, your bias? And what I always tell parents, uh, I'm a co-parenting coach. I always, always bring it back. What's, you know, what's, what are we here for? What are we focused on? And it's your kids. And the first thing that you you as a parent are supposed to do for your kids is really make them feel safe. Make them feel secure. Um, that doesn't mean you have to change who you are. It doesn't mean you have to necessarily change what you believe in or your values or anything. But I always tell uh, parents, the first thing you have to do is provide a secure and safe environment for your kids where they feel safe, not where you feel safe. You're a grown-ass person. You know, <laughs> you can deal with these things. You've already been through your childhood. You've already been through your teenage years or so forth, you know, and hopefully you've grown up and you've dealt with the trauma that you've already had and X, Y, Z, right? But these are your kids. I mean, we're, we're talking about kids that know sometimes at a young age. Uh, my, my son, for example, knew when he was in fifth grade, sixth grade. And and like you said, he was still hiding it. Uh, one, one, of the, one of the things that I always tell folks when I'm sharing my son's story is, uh, you know, I found out there's a longer version of the story, right? But at the end, you know, I asked him one point through the conversation, I go, hey, how come you didn't tell me, you know, that you were, you were gay? And, you know, he was in sixth grade and he told me, he goes, dad, I didn't want to be gay. You know, there was so, there, there was everybody at school was teasing me and doing this and doing that. And I didn't know how you were going to feel about it. I didn't know how, you know, and, and, and when you think about it, God, man, that's, you know, when I grew up, I didn't have any 
reason to not be who I want or who I was. I grew up super privileged in that sense, you know. I was this young little Mexican boy running around, you know, having fun, playing basketball, listening to rap, you know, uh, participating in quinceañeras, you know. And here's my son struggling with who he is, with the very core of what is, is, is makes him him. And, and he can't, he didn't want to be that. And so just imagine, you know, I, I'm here thinking, okay, I'm trying to do the best that I can with my son, providing a safe space, a secure space. And, and he still has to deal with everything that's going out outside of that space, outside in the world, at school, with other family members and such. And so I think I wanted to share that small tidbit of a story with folks right now because it just goes to show how critical it is that you are that foundation, that you're that safe space. Again, I, I get it. It's going to be hard. You know, we, we a lot of folks have values that maybe don't you know align with that. And I get that. And, and you have biases that, hey, guys shouldn't wear dresses and girls shouldn't wear pants and so forth. I, I get that. But right now, that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is to make sure that your child has a safe space, a secure space that they can go to, that they know, hey, you know what? The whole world, it seems, might be against me. But, man, at least I got home. At least I got my room. At least I got my own little space there. And so that's the first thing that I would tell parents that maybe are, are getting adjusted to that is to remind them that it's their obligation as a parent to provide that space to make sure uh, everything else I get it. And it'll come eventually and you'll have to meet that and your child and y'all will have to talk about it and maybe compromise and do whatever the case may be you got to do. But at the end, the first thing you got to do is protect your child. And if you're not doing that, you're really not being the best parent that you can be. Those are very powerful words. And for those of you who don't know, I also have an LGBTQ child. My child is trans. So I went through something similar, but not exactly, which is why I wanted to bring you on because my child was biologically female and is now identifying as a male. So we did go through a transition where they had, where they were wearing binders and looking more masculine. However, I don't feel like it's the same, which is why I wanted you here because for a a girl to dress up like a boy, she becomes a tomboy and it becomes, um, I don't know, it's just a little bit more socially acceptable to the outside world than it is for a little boy to wear a pink dress or, you know, and pretend they're Ariel and, and, or something from Frozen, you know, it's just complete. I think it's different. And um, although it does have the same fear undertones and things, but I do think that it's, um, important for me to mention that I know that this goes the other direction. Um, and there's a lot of fears coming for too for parents that have biological girls that want to dress up like boys, but I just don't think it's quite, quite the same. And so I'm glad you're here talking about this. Um, one of the biggest things that I think parents worry about is that outside world. So if you can suck it up, your own feelings. And yeah, I had to suck up those own feelings of fears and, and trying to create that safe space. So I was holding in a million and 20 emotions inside to create that safe space for my kid. If you can get that, now you got to deal with the outside world. Ooh. 
that is scarier to me and a completely different ball game, especially when it comes to vocal family members who don't agree with your child's new choices. So mm. just briefly, do you have any tips for parents who need to deal with that kind of situation? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm going through that myself right now. And <clears throat> it's going to be a process. And sometimes that process will never end. Uh, I'm a firm believer in, in boundaries and borders. And we've talked about that before in, in previous discussions, Christina. And, and I think it's really important to bring up as well right now. You have to clear, uh, you have to set clear lines, uh, you know, some boundaries and some borders, you know, and boundaries is like, hey, I can accept this, but we're going to, you know, push back and forth and this and that. But then there's a clear border. There's a clear line. Hey, you cross this line. There's going to be consequences to that. And it's tough. It's very tough. Uh, my 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 position with, with my son, I'm his dad. I'm here to protect him. And so if one of my family members is deciding, hey, I don't, I, you know, you shouldn't do this and that, I'm very clear with them. And I tell them, hey, look, this is how it's going to go. If it's not, you know, me and my son will leave. You know, you know, this and that, da, da, da. If not, we leave. You know, if not, this and that. Again, I'm not here to impose my values. My son is not there to impose his values. We're not here to change people's minds at all either. You know, we're just we're just trying to have family time. You know, and if you want to bring up this discussion or whatnot, let's set up a time where we can discuss it, but not during family time. Again, I'm here to provide my son with a safe and secure spot, not here to expose them to, you know, whatever you think is right or whatnot. Now I get it. There's going to be times, you know, you feel like you have to do something. I promise you missing a Thanksgiving dinner, uh, missing a Christmas dinner, missing a birthday and this and that it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, your, your, your child's uh, safety and, and security is much more important. I've set clear boundaries, clear borders uh, with consequences with certain members of my family and when they cross that, I let them know. And then I, I clearly tell them, I go, hey, this is what happened. This is what said because of this. I'm not coming by for six months. What do you mean? You know, and like, hey, I told you beforehand, you know, I'm, I'm here. You know, I'm, I'm here to protect, you know, my son. I'm not here to really kind of coddle your feelings or what's going on or your perspectives and this and that. So I think that's really important to make sure that we have borders and boundaries and set those terms right up front. Uh, one, one other thing I would say is listening to your child and making sure that they, you know, you take into consideration what they're going through. Uh, maybe they don't feel comfortable at a place. Maybe they don't want to do this, do that. Uh, you know, uh, listening to them is super important. Making sure that they feel respected still is super important because at the end of the day, you know, this is who they are. This is, you know, again, it's not a lifestyle. It's not what they chose, this and that. No, this is who they are. This is what they truly, genuinely, their being and their core, this is who they are. Even with, like, getting dressed up, my son, I've never really imposed anything on my son. I never did. If if anything, I would say my son has actually been much more, uh, a much more of a compromising figure in these issues that we've had, where he said, took it upon himself and said, you know what, I'm just going to dress, I'm just going to wear some pants and a t-shirt, you know, and that's it, you know, and, you know, he's not going to dress quote unquote extravagant or flamboyant or whatever, you know, nowadays he doesn't care, you know, and again, I don't care. You'll see me walking with him at Walmart and you're like, this is the oddest couple ever because 
he's got a purse on, and he's got a wig, and he's got like little buttons, and he's got these shorts. And I'm over here just walking around, you know, my chest out, looking to see if anybody looks at him weird. And, you know, that way I can just like, what, what, you know, <laughs> little papa bear just waiting to get into battle, you know. But, but I think that's really the most important thing, you know, again, focusing on your child, making sure that they are the center of what needs to happen and not the conversations that might happen or other family members out there that are maybe not comfor- as comfortable or in peace with their own biases and values. So I want to talk a little bit about the myths of this whole process of your child uh, coming out to you in this way. And I I had thought of three ones that I, from my experience with my child, um, the first myth that I thought of was um, they could just be experimenting. And I told myself this over and over and over again. And I think it was a way for me just to not accept what probably was right in front of my face from the beginning. Um, but I don't know, I guess I just needed to tell myself to feel, I don't know, more comfortable. I don't know, but it was a myth because were they experimenting? Well, yeah, they were experimenting being their authentic self, but I don't, I don't think that when I was telling myself, Oh, they're just experimenting. I thought that, you know, like any other phase, it would just kind of go away. Um, And I don't think that parents should look at it in that way, that this potentially is just a phase. Um, And I just want to make that aware. So that was one of the myths that I found for myself. The second myth that I found for myself was um, I actually got less backlash to my face, at least, than I thought I would when my child was dressing of the opposite sex out in public. I thought that I was going to get more people staring or giving me ugly looks and things. And I didn't. So that was one thing that I experienced. And again, only my experience. And I'm sure there was a lot of whispers, but at least to my face, people didn't want to confront me. And the third thing that happened to me was um, I actually found that people either don't care at all or they really care a lot and they have a massive opinion about it and want to tell me (laughs) there's like no in between. Um, So I think that I thought that everybody would care and everybody would notice. Um, That was the myth that I would, I'm trying to debunk when really it was either one or the other very different extremes and nobody really fell in the middle. Um, So I wanted you to comment on either any of those three or any other myths that you found surprising when you were going through this process that parents can learn from you. I think the 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 myth that you brought up regarding people caring, uh, it's it's really it it really kind of we're all so caught up in our own issues and things that I understand that people, you know, they they there are going to be people that are going to criticize. There are going to be people, but there's always people that are going to criticize. There's always people. If it's not your child, I promise you, somebody's looking at your driveway and saying, "Oh my God." They only have a 2003 car, not, I'm sorry. They only have a 2020 car, not a 2003. What's going on with them? You know, Hey, they didn't go on vacation. What's going on with that? You know, there's always people out there. They're going to be looking that are going to be criticizing. Uh, I think the, the most important thing to think about that is that, you know, at the end of the day, you'll never escape all criticism. There's always going to be people that are out there that are going to criticize. 
Um, like you said, some people have massive, big time opinions and they want to share with you and they, this and that. I've run into those type of folks as well. It's important. Just I, I've never, I've never been the one to really be confrontational in the sense of, hey, you know, cuss them out and this and that. But it, it typically, I say like, hey, I appreciate it. No thanks. Uh, as a mediator, I'm trained to, you know, be a conflict resolution kind of person, and so I really don't, uh, don't really argue too much with with people. Um, and, and I think another, I want to just throw in another myth. I think a lot of folks will also have this myth that maybe you're to blame, that you as a parent messed up somewhere and that, you know, well, you know, they're, they're, you know, maybe like in my case, right. Maybe you should have been a more masculine figure or you weren't there, you know, you, you, you and his mom are separated. That's what caused that. So now he's being raised by, you know, by his mom, which led to a more uh, quote unquote feminine upbringing. And that's why he's gay and this and that. I want to say yes to that. I've gotten the same (laughs) thing, same thing. So what you're saying, yes. Like, (laughs) yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's bizarre, you know, because I have another son and he's heterosexual. He's totally into girls. (laughs) And it, 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 just to, just to be clear. Yeah. He was, he also, I have two boys. They have two different moms. And, And so he also, you know, was raised primarily by his mom. Uh, I was not an absent father. Let me make that clear. I was super involved with my kids, but I admit, you know, my, 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 both of my uh, son's moms, they, they were the primary caretakers and both of my boys, they turn out very normal. You know, one son had his life and one son has his life. There's nothing abnormal about either one of them. And so when we, we have these confrontations, it's super crazy when people make these comparisons without really knowing and they'll blame you and this and that. I, I don't, I don't, I don't give it any salt, you know, I was like, or any, I don't give it any weight. I, you know, when people may say something like that, you know, I just got, I just kind of laugh. I, I really do. I, I, there's nothing else you could say to that because uh, you know, in the end of the day, I didn't really have, a bias or projection that I wanted my kids to be. If anything, I just wanted my kids to be happy. I grew up in a very traditional conservative household. Uh, uh, Both of my parents are from Mexico. They're uh, immigrants. They came in super traditional. We went to church every day, every Sunday, Uh, you know, uh, very masculine upbringing. You know, I was the first born and also the the only son. So obviously I was treated like a king, you know, I I mean, my bed was made every day. I didn't have to do any chores. I didn't have to do all this stuff. I could receive all the calls from girls that I wanted. Uh, You know, my, on the other hand, my sister, she couldn't talk to any boys. She had to do all the chores. She, you know, she had to, I mean, it was just, you know, one of those insane, you look back at it now, you're like, wow, but this is a very traditional kind of setup. And, And so that's what I grew up in. And, 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 I, I even then I, I grew up super traumatized because of issues that happened in that domestic violence, alcoholism, you know, uh, emotional abuse and so forth. That the one thing that I wanted my boys to be was happy. That's all. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't even care if they were successful. I just want you to be happy. You'll be, you'll find success eventually, but, but I just want you to be happy. So growing up with that, I feel like my boys had a better upbringing than I did. 
even though it was uh, two households, you know, I feel like both of my boys are, especially at their age, are very well adjusted. And so, so I feel like I did my part. So whenever somebody says or kind of implies that I messed up somehow, that yeah, I was fault. not, yeah, yeah, that I wasn't man enough, you know, or this and that, you know, I'm like, look at me, first of all, I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like a lump, like a Mexican lumberjack at this point, you know, I'm, I'm big and burly and got my beard. <laughs> I, I changed my oil. I, I do all the man, quote unquote manly things. Right. But that's 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 besides the point. My son does manly things too. Both of my boys do manly things. Both of them, you know, do other things, you know. And, and so when we get caught up in these, you know, the, these uh, roles that people are supposed to play and that we're supposed to fit in, I kind of laugh at that. And and especially when people feel like, hey, you didn't play that role sufficiently enough. That's why your child turned out this way. Uh, I know my my son is who he is, and he's been that way the whole time and I love him and I'm here to support him. It had, it, it really had nothing to do with how I brought him up. You know, this is who he is and I love him and I support him. Maybe, maybe the only thing I could say is that maybe the grades for my youngest, because I didn't enforce them that much. Maybe you could blame me for that, <laughs> but everything else. No, no, absolutely not. My youngest, you know, that, that's fine. But, but as far as my, both of my boys and their values and their core and who they are, that's definitely who they are. And I am proud of them. And I hope parents realize that too, that their kids are who they are. And then instead of trying to either, uh, um, I don't want to, well, I'll just say, instead of trying to beat that out of them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and somehow change who they are, instead embrace them and say, hey, you know what? I, I support you. I love you and I'm here for you and and, and so forth. So I, ho- I hope, you know, folks, kind of understand how important it is to have that safe and secure spot at home. Because like you said, there's all these myths going on, people talking, and then your kids experiencing some of those hostilities at school, at work, and elsewhere. It's super important that parents are, that home is that safe and secure spot for your child. Because it may be the only safe and secure spot that they have. I want to wrap up with uh, my six tips for navigating the situation. I'm going to do it kind of quick fire, but Rodrigo, I would love for you to comment on each one and add to anything uh, if you have anything. Uh, The first one to help you navigate this situation is reiterating that you need to evaluate your fears and figure out what are you really afraid of? if you can identify what you're really afraid of, then you can address it. And I think a lot of times we don't really sit and with our fears too well. Um, so, you know, are you, is it fear for your child? Is it fear for your reputation? Is it fear for what people might think or feel fear of just being uncomfortable? Um, but that would be tip number one is you really need to sit down and reevaluate your fears. I, I love that. That is absolutely uh, the, the number one thing you should do at the beginning. I love that you focus, <clears throat> excuse me, on, on the self, you know, because we're not saying that your child has a problem. You might have a problem, you know, and that's your bias, your perspective and your fear. That's really what it is. It's your fear. What, what are you scared of? You know? And, and again, these are realistic fears. We, we're not saying like you shouldn't be scared of them. Maybe you shouldn't be, but maybe you should be, or maybe there's some real consequences to that. There's nothing wrong with that, but you have to definitely, appreciate them, figure out what they are 
and then go from there. And I, I really love that you started off with that because that is super important that we kind of understand what our fears are. All right. And number two to navigate through this would be to cultivate open communication. We've talked about this already, but the first step in supporting your child's gender expression is to create an open and non-judgmental environment. So we have to initiate an open and honest conversation, letting your child know that you're there to listen and understand their feelings uh, and some of their fears, of course. So encouraging them to express themselves without fear of getting criticism, at least in your safe space. Um, and, you know, how you navigate how to do that will be unique to every family. But I think it's really important to create the safe space. You're going to cultivate that open communication. I, I love that. That reminds me of a very quick uh, um, interaction my son and I had, because I did have a moment where I was kind of caught off guard. He He had a breastplate. And for those that don't know what a breastplate is, when you perform in drag, uh, you know, uh, uh, he can wear like a plate. It's almost like a like a shoulder pad thing, uh, like a like, you know, the shoulder pads for football. And it goes over and basically it's like a set of breasts. Right. And when I first saw it, I was I was kind of like, what is What the hell is this? You know, and, uh, and 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 to your point, open communication means it goes both ways. If you're not judgmental, you can ask questions. You know, it's, it's a difference between like, you're going to wear that as opposed to like, you're going to wear that. What is that? You know, you know, ask questions and so forth. Because my son, as soon as I said that, my son's like, what's wrong? You know, you, you don't like it. I was like, I don't know what it is. You know what, what he goes? Oh, it's a breath. And so he started educating me and telling me what it was and so forth. And so it's an open, it's a, a two way street. You know, obviously you have to develop that communication first where you can have that. So what you said, it was critical. Listen. But once you get to listening and you'll have that open dialogue, you can definitely ask questions as well. And that's the beauty of it. You know, when you have that open communication and it's open and it's it's transparent and there's no fear of judgment from either side, you can have these wonderful discussions where you start learning and you start educating yourself and they learn as well. They're more open to hear your suggestions about certain things. So gr great tidbit there. And number three for navigating this situation would be, I think you can make a game plan for the outside world. Like, what does your child feel comfortable with? They may not want to express themselves outside the home yet, and that's okay, you know, but what about extended family and how do they want you to navigate people knowing and, you know, just making a game plan with your child together on, you know, now you have this safe space, but when you go outside of it, what do you want it to look like? Yeah, again, uh, great, great tip. Super important to make sure where your child stands as far as their uh, acceptance of, you know, other people and how they feel. I know that my son struggled for quite a while. I would say about seven or eight years where even though I knew he was gay and people knew he was gay, he still was not comfortable with that expression. And so it took a while for him to get there. Now, oh my God, he's totally expressive. <laughs> he totally doesn't care. He's like out there, does his thing. I'm proud of him, but it does take time. And I think it's very important that you uh, talk to your child to see where they're comfortable, what they're okay with, and what their boundaries and their borders are. I love that you mentioned the timetable there being six years because 
I think we think that, oh, it'll come, they'll come out in a year or, or even less. And it's, it's such a long process. So thank you for that. And number four, I think you need to educate yourself to start navigating this uh, world. So educating yourself about gender identity and LGBTQ issues, it's crucial to be an ally with your child. You know, so how do you do this? You know, you read books and articles and you watch documentaries and you gain engage on online activities to learn about shared experiences with other parents. Um, so just I think educating yourself is really important. And, you know, like, do you know what the LGBT and Q stand for? Just that alone would probably be really important for your child. I think uh, a lot of folks, their 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 projections are often out of, uh, you know, ignorance. It really, it really, it's unfortunate. What you don't want to do is have that ignorance be, be, be projected upon your child. Uh, maybe, maybe it's not even your child, you know, maybe it's your family members or friends or so forth. Super critical that we continue educating ourselves to better, you know, uh, uh, facilitate these interactions and relationships we have with people around us in our community. And then number five, you need to respect and validate. So this is something that you're going to be working on with your child uh, through this process. It's essential to validate your child's feelings and let them know that you're behind them 100%, even if you may not feel like that right away. And trust me, even coming from parenting coach here, uh, I wasn't sure if I was 100% behind right away. It took me a while, but I did not show that. I did not waver that with my child. I wanted them to know that I was 100% behind them. And in behind the scenes, I was working on myself to get there, to, to catch up to my own words. And I just am candid about saying that because I think I'm not the only one. Other ways to do this respect and validating would be you know, using their preferred pronouns or their chosen name, things like that. Just, just listening to your child. I, I love that you said that. I, it's we don't need to be a hundred percent. What we do need to be a hundred percent on is supporting our children. That's that should never waver. Uh, your understanding of what's going on, your ability to parent. You, you could, you, you know, you might be at fifty-five percent this and that. As long as like you follow the first tip and you're aware. And then you start educating, which is one of the other tips, you'll get there. And I think the but the most important thing is to make sure that you are supporting your child and let them know and be honest. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of parents, sometimes they're not honest, like you were right now saying, hey, I'm a, I support you 100 percent. But, man, I'm having trouble with this or I'm, I'm you know, I'm still struggling. There's nothing wrong with that. It's, it's, it's totally normal to do that. And I think that also opens up the lines of communication and showing your child, hey, you know, you're being honest about how you feel. So I think that's a great tip. And my last tip for you is to seek professional support if you uh, feel like you need it. And actually, even if you don't feel like you need it, it's probably a good idea. Um, because if you feel uncertain or overwhelmed, which... I know you probably do. I know I did. Um, reaching out to support groups or seeking guidance from LGBTQ friendly professionals. Oh man, it can just be so beneficial. They're going to be able to provide um, some support to you so that you can support your child. And that's what we want, right? We want to support our kids. So, but we can't do it when our, our own cup is half empty. So this is giving you permission to seek your own support so that you can be a more supportive parent. 
hundred percent. I love that tip. A, a great tip to, you know, kind of bring everything together. And I'm really, I'm really happy that we were able to have this conversation, Christina, because uh, th- this is, this is an important topic. And I think a lot of folks, especially folks that are trying to struggling, maybe, you know, they, they, they will understand that us who are advocates, you know, big allies and conspirators, even that we started off somewhere too, that we, we, we weren't automatically here. I certainly wasn't. It took me time. I had an easier path, I feel, but it still took me time. And I still had to learn things and educate myself. I know for you is also a different trajectory and you had to teach yourself and you had to come, uh, you know, uh, to realizations and so forth. So I think a lot of parents think that folks like ourselves, oh man, they're just naturally there. Like, no, 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 no. It, it took, it took some time. And I want to encourage folks that are maybe in similar uh, uh, life pathways that, you know, they're, they're not alone, that they definitely can uh, do it. And if they need help, like you said, if they need professional help, hey, you're there to support them. I know that the Impactful Parent has done a lot of good work uh, and they're here to help parents in any of these situations that they may need some help, you know, therapy, counseling, so forth. That way they can have great communication with their kids. Yeah, I'm certainly very happy to help people, but so are you, Rodrigo. <laughs> you are also a parenting coach. And I want to mention that um, if you resonated with him today, please feel free to reach out to him. I will have uh, his contact information down below in the show notes. So um, please reach out if you think that, you know, he might be a good support for you. Um, He is an amazing dad. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your story with us. Truly, your experiences are so valuable for everybody else so we can learn from you. Thank you for joining me today. Remember that this episode is just a small part of what the Impactful Parent offers. Also available are online courses, parent support groups, coaching services, and the Impactful Parent app. So go to theimpactfulparent.com to find out more. Become a more impactful parent by downloading the Impactful Parent app. The Impactful Parent app is free so you can carry help, tips, and parenting resources right in your pocket. So discover new techniques to make your parenting more effective and get parenting resources that are going to make your life easier. Download the app today. You got nothing to lose since it's free. So go to your phone's app store or go to theimpactfulparent.com and download the app today. But until next time, you got this, parents. I'm just here to help. Thank you for listening today. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast with a friend. And don't forget, the Impactful Parenting Podcast is an extension of the Impactful Parent community. Go to the Impactful Parent website and download the free Impactful Parent app so you don't miss a parenting tip that can help you and your family. Thanks for listening today. So go to theimpactfulparent.com and see you next episode.